0: Hello, we've been pleased you've been able to tune in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Welcome to the program. And this is
1: why there's lots of things in the Gospel of John that happen, not because Jesus needs to know, but because those who are around him need to know. It's
0: not uncommon to hear someone say, oh, believe that when I see it. It's not new. But in the New Testament of the Bible, people were present when Jesus performed miracles, and yet they still didn't believe. Jesus' behavior didn't fit their expectations, and so they cast him aside. Jesus gave us so many reasons to believe in him. He demonstrated his authority time and again. So what do we do with that? Stay tuned as we join Dr. Corbett to explore one of Jesus' miracles, the sixth sign a man born blind sees.
1: This is the last gospel, the gospel of John. It's the fourth of the gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Uh, And this is essentially we've looked so far we've looked at the seven signs in the book of uh, gospel of john well we've looked at six of them now we're going to look at what scholars consider to be the seventh and some scholars consider to be the sixth and i'll explain that as we go through but this is the resurrection and the life and this is what jesus says and it's the, it's all through john's gospel what we've seen is this dramatic response to Jesus, from people who have encountered Him. And here's, here's a question I, I just want to put it out there for you to consider. If you encountered Jesus in an undeniable way, how would it change your life? How would it change your life? Because C.S. Lewis, who said, Jesus was either who he said he was or he was a liar. And if he wasn't who he said he was and he wasn't a liar, he must have been insane, he must have been a lunatic. They're your only three choices. And he said, however, you answer that question is of the greatest significance, but the one thing it cannot be is irrelevant. It just can't be irrelevant. So the gospel of John actually describes people who had undeniable encounters with Jesus undeniable encounters with Jesus. So we finish up in John chapter 10 just the last couple of verses here John chapter 10 verse 41 having I consider John 10 to be one of the most profound exchanges between Jesus and religious leaders and his own disciples, but particularly the religious leaders, where Jesus, increasingly through the Gospel of John, is making these phenomenally bold statements about who he is. And at the end of it, at the end of this exchange, there's people watching, there's people listening to this in the temple precinct, and then it says, Many came to him, and they said, John the Baptist, that is John, did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true and many believed in him there. So we have this account of people who have heard Jesus. They've had a dramatic experience of seeing him do miracles, seeing what he had to say and seeing his life reflect in what he had to say. And many believed in him, as you'd probably expect. Many people have said, and perhaps they've said it to you, I would never believe in God unless he came down and stood in the flesh right in front of me. I'd never believe. And I'm going to tell you, he did that to many people. And it didn't necessarily guarantee that they believed. In fact, there were people who did have, they had direct encounters with him. And when they believed in him, this is what happened. They yielded their lives to him. That's why this is not irrelevant. If you encounter Jesus, the most natural response is to say, Lord, I'm now yours because you get what he has done for you. You can't not get it. I read the story of a, that a New Zealand businessman told when he came to Christ and he wrote this during the war and and he said, imagine you're injured in the war and you're pulled off the front line and you're taken to a hospital and your kidney's been whatever damaged, shrapnel, whatever. And another soldier comes in and says, if it means saving his life, I will give up one of my kidneys to save my fallen brother here. That's what it takes. And the doctor said, that's very generous of you. And he says, if it means he can live, I will do it. And so he does. He lies on the table beside the doctors take out his kidney. From this two man's broken kidneys, whatever, he now has a fresh kidney that he's been given that, that saves his life. The months go by, he convalesces and word has it that the man who gave, him, gave up one of his kidneys is in the waiting room or would like to see him and say hello. And the man on the table convalescing says, Ah, uh, I'll think about it. I don't know if I want to see him. And the fact that you're shocked because this is not how the story should go, right? This is not how it should go. And this businessman who wrote this who had such a dramatic encounter with Christ and he gave his life to Christ and he developed one of the biggest chain stores in New Zealand. He, uh, Mr. Laidler, was his name? He, he said, this is how it is when people encounter Jesus and he's now wanting to meet with you. You don't say, oh, think about it. It's such a dramatic impact when you encounter Jesus. You want to know the one who's given his life to save yours. So people who encountered Christ, they yielded their lives to him and the result of yielding your life to him is you become a worshipper of him. And so I, you know, I'm mindful that sometimes people, they do get hurt in church because people say things and do things and hurt them. And, and I think Jesus experienced that. You know, there was a time when Jesus was in the synagogue and he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your midst. And they were outraged. They dragged him out of the synagogue. They took him to the brow of a cliff, ready to throw him off. But it wasn't his hour. It wasn't his hour to be thrown off a cliff and die. And it says, as they were about to do it, he turned around and he walked away. And probably, if you could have seen in the spirit realm, you may have seen that there was some spiritual activity happening there for that to happen. And the scripture says the next Sabbath, Jesus was in the synagogue. And here we have just the deep gratitude that the believer feels toward Christ for what he's done. And when you love Christ, you love his body. You love his body. And his body is called the church. So when people encountered Jesus and they had that encounter with him they worshiped This account in John 10 places Christ back in Galilee north of Jerusalem and it's a few days well we know in fact we know that it's two days walk we know that as you'll see in a moment And so now we pick it up in John chapter 11 Christ has left Jerusalem and he's now in John chapter 11 he's he's up in Galilee and this is what happened Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. Bethany, by the way, is two point something kilometres outside of, uh, to the east of Jerusalem, the city, right right near the city. The village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. By the way, there were two women in the scriptures who poured perfume over Jesus. One poured the perfume over Jesus' head and wiped his feet with her tears. And the other one was Mary, the sister of Martha, who poured perfume over his feet and wiped his feet dry with her hair. Two different accounts, two different territories, two different women, but both doing it for the same reason, preparing Christ for his burial. That little story happens in the next chapter of John, John chapter 12. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. I just want to point out, John has already told us in John chapter 2 that Jesus knew everything. Here's a little point. Mary and Martha send a messenger to Jesus to tell him something about what's happening back down in Judea, in Bethany, in Judea. Two days walk. Can I point this out? They didn't need to. They could have said it right there and then. It's called prayer. And Jesus would have heard it. Jesus would have heard because he never stops hearing prayer. And this is why there's lots of things in the Gospel of John that happen, not because Jesus needs to know, but because those who are around him need to know. And his disciples needed to know what was going on. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death, but is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Did you get that? This will glorify God the Father so that his Son... Jesus himself will be glorified. Who talks like this? And the answer is Jesus does. He knew who he was. Scholars debate, did Jesus really know who he was? Yeah, he knew who he was. That's kind of the falls under the rubric of he knew all things. So this whatever is about to happen is going to be glory, resulting in glory to Jesus. This is profound. You can be praying for something and you may not get the answer when you want it, but God may be being glorified in the process. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. The disciples who are Yet fully con- this is bizarre. They are yet fully convinced about who Jesus is. And this miracle will be the deciding moment before the cross about the identity of Jesus to them. And they didn't understand why Jesus was staying two days, especially when he said, this won't lead to death. And Jesus, of all people knew, Lazarus was already dead. And this is what happens when you trust Jesus. If he says, Lazarus will not be dead, trust him. Because those who become worshippers learn to trust him, even when they don't understand. Anyone ever walked with God and had those moments? If I had three arms, I'd lift them all up. Because there are times when I don't understand I'm coming through one of those seasons, probably in it right now, but I still trust him. I still trust him. When the bishop Richard Condy spoke to me initially through what I've just come through and coming and going through, he said, How is your heart? How is your soul? And I knew what he was asking. Because many people face calamity and they shake a fist at God. I was never shaking a fist at God, but I was lifting my hand to him, telling him I didn't understand. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. So they're in Galilee, Galilee, Samaria, Judea. Two days walk. The disciples said to him, "Uh, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, as we saw in our last session. Are you going there again? In other words, if you go to Judea, it will mean certain death. And you know what? They were right. Jesus knew it. They knew it. And he still went. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and oh my. As a member of the D generation, Dr. John, that expression tells us how Jesus views physical death. And for any fellow members of the D generation, this is a great way to describe living this life and going into the next. But Jesus says this, Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the, the disciples said to him, uh, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. And this just John's got this in here so that you understand they were at times thick as two bricks. Because Jesus says things and they're, they're like, oh, he's fallen asleep. And they think, oh, he's having a nine eyes. Jesus had spoken of his death. But they thought he meant taking rest in sleep or having a nine nights. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, what are the next words to come out of his mouth? If you were writing this, it wouldn't be, and I am glad. Because something great was going to happen in the midst of this dark hour, this darkness, something great was going to happen. And Jesus knew it. No one else knew it. But as a result of what was about to happen, many of those who are wavering, is this really the Messiah? Is this really the Son of God, the one prophesied by Daniel, who Daniel called the Son of Man? Meaning God would come in the flesh. I was glad I was not there, that you may believe because of what you're about to see. But let us go to him. So Thomas, don't you love Thomas? Nick, I think there's a message in here for you to preach on Thomas because I see you as uh, someone who's gone through some of this stuff that Thomas has gone through. Got to have some answers, got to have some proof, got to have... And here's Thomas who's like, well, if we're going to follow Jesus, let's go and die with him. <laughs> He's the you know, <laughs> like the cheery guy, right? Let us go that we may die with him. If this means going to a death, let's go and die. Not hearing what Jesus is telling them. Thomas, shut up. I'm not talking about... That's how I would have spoken to Thomas. Jesus didn't. Now when Jesus came, two days walk, two days from messenger to get up there, Lazarus is ill. Jesus knew that by the time that messenger got dead, Lazarus was already dead. We know Jesus already knew that because he just told his disciples that. He knew what was going on. He knew without a messenger. It's two days to get back. So now we're four days separated from the death of Jesus. When he came, he found that Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews, what's that? 3.2 K's just outside of Jerusalem. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him outside of Bethany. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, and this has got to be one of the most profound exchanges, and it tells us that Martha and Jesus and Mary had been privy to some pretty in-depth conversation with Jesus. Because the stuff that's about to come out of Martha's mouth is not something she read. She heard this from Jesus. And she's going to repeat back to him some of the things that she heard him tell her. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. This is an expression that occurs several times in this chapter, the last day day you don't need Greta Thunberg to say the world's going to end Jesus says the Bible says dr. John read out of the book that says time as we know it will come to an end and at the end of that time there will be judgment of all people if Jesus is correct Jesus said to her I am the resurrection and the life Whoever believes in me, that is, trusts me. Though he die, though he physically die, though she physically die, yet shall he or she live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? The book of Revelation says that there will come two deaths. And there'll come two resurrections. Blessed are those who partake in the second resurrection. Over them the second death has no effect. Revelation chapter 20. The first resurrection is when you settle accounts with God in this life. It's the only life you get to settle accounts with God in this life. That which is dead and separated from God, which is how the Bible speaks of death, separated, can be brought into reconciliation with God and come alive. And the Bible calls that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. We who are dead in trespasses and sins have now been made alive in Christ, for by grace you have been saved. That's the first resurrection. Have you been resurrected? Are you in that first resurrection? What a person believes, Jesus has just said, do you believe this? What a person believes about Jesus, the identity of Jesus of Nazareth, has eternal consequences. You could leave this place today, you could be watching online right now, and you could say, well, yeah, but I read some guru somewhere who said Jesus was just a reincarnated avatar of something or other, and maybe he's right. Well, maybe he's a fool and he's wrong. Because the consequences of not believing what Jesus actually said about himself are eternal. Not because I say so, or some guru says so, or anyone says so, but because Jesus himself said so. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, which is why God is the Eternal Father. Who is coming into the world. When she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher's here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out they followed her supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there now Mary when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet saying to him Lord if you had been here my brother would not have died did this profoundly affect Jesus when he saw Mary the one whom we had already been told that when they came to when they came to host Jesus at their house Martha was busy in the kitchen cooking and Mary said, I'd just rather sit at the feet and listen to what he has to say when Jesus saw her come weeping over the fact that she said if you'd only been here this wouldn't have happened Do you reckon that touched him? We know it touched him. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. He was moved. He was moved. This is not some cold-hearted God. This is not God, the one who's got it all worked out, therefore there's no emotion in what he's doing. Jesus wept. He wept. Empathy and compassion exuding from him. F.W. Boreham, whom you may have heard me say, says about this passage, John 11.35, that Jesus wept, not because of Mary, not because of the Jews, but the thing that drove him to tears was the fact that he knew now where Lazarus was and he was about to bring him back. Our perspective on life could well do with an adjustment when we understand what's happening here. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man? We just read it in John chapter 9. Have kept this man from dying? The answer, of course, is yeah, he could have. But there's something else going on here. There's something else going on. Jesus said, take away the stone. Stone is sort of an understated way of saying large rock. That was covering the entrance of the tomb where you could walk into. Take away that stone, that boulder. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, uh, Lord, uh, by this time there will be an odour, which is a beautiful way that the ESV, English Standard Version, renders the King James, which says, uh, Lord, by now he stinketh. <laughs> and there are some who don't need to be in a tomb to anyway. And so for he has been there for dead four days jesus said to her did i not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of god so they took away the stone jesus lifted up his eyes and said and please understand this there are some people who think god is impressed with big long prayers prayers that sound flowery. They even use religious words, Josiah. They they use words like thee and thou and healeth, Lord, and they shout sometimes. And if you take your fingers and measure the size of this prayer in your Bible, it's about that big. And Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of those who are standing around who Should we say, think that this is probably the time I should pray? But I'm just checking in with you, Dad. You and I both know what's about to happen. Amen. And Jesus says, I'm doing this that they may believe that you sent me, that I'm in communion with you. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus. Come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, get this, who had come with Mary, had seen what he did, believed in him. And wouldn't you? I was wavering. I'm not wavering now. No one could do this if they were a mere mortal. This guy claims to be the son of God, the divine son of man. Daniel said he would have all judgment and authority of the father, Daniel 7, 13 and 14. And he's just shown it. He has power over life and death. Why wouldn't you go? Oh, I believe him now. I'm in. I am in. But some flip. Is there a rash on my forehead about here where my palm goes, what the heck are these people? But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done because they didn't believe it. Basically. Good night. So they go and tell the Pharisees. They present to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests. Did you just hear what he did? 3.2 kilometres away from this temple, he just raised a man who'd been dead four days. When irrefutable evidence for God is still rejected, you know it's not about evidence. You know... It's an indication that something spiritual is going on in a person's heart. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation what was in their heart if we surrender to him we're no longer in control he is and to that i say that's right and that could be your fork in the road right now you surrendered to jesus it means that may mean i have to stop having sex with my girlfriend yeah That may mean I have to stop doing drugs. It may mean I have to stop getting drunk every night. Yeah. But as you heard Jerry say, sometimes when you know you have to do something and you don't feel you can do it, you can ask him for the help to do it. Even if you can't, he can help you. If you have experienced irrefutable evidence for the lordship of Jesus, that is simply realizing who he is, is who he is. How would it change your life? Would you please stand? I want to come back and I want to invite people to make Jesus, or actually to accept that Jesus is Lord of their life. I want to invite people to turn to Jesus in a very short prayer. We don't need long, flowery prayers. We just need a prayer that comes in your heart and says, I want to follow you. Lord, you are... You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. Now, Lord, I pray by your spirit, you would move in the hearts of each one of us. Lord, it's our mission that many will come to know you and that, Lord, many will come to make you known. Father, I pray for us as a church that we would have the compassion, the care, the kindness, the mercy, the grace to be able to extend to those who do not yet know you. Use us. We are your hands. We are your feet. Use us, O God. And Father, I pray for those right now who have never crossed that line. cross that line from I do not know to I want to believe. If that's you right now, I want to pray for you, lead you in a prayer, and a simple prayer that says, Father, please forgive me. I thank you that you sent Jesus to die in my place on that very first Easter. He died in our place. He gave more than a kidney. He gave his very life. And now he gives us his life, a life that is eternal life, a life that goes beyond the grave. Father, I pray that for those who are halted in the fork of the road between choosing eternal condemnation because they won't accept the free gift of eternal life that you offer. And those who are there at that fork in the road, that, Father, you would... Call them to come. Call them, cause them to come. Call them to come to your table now. And Father, I pray that as they do, by your Spirit, you would transform them, make them into a brand new person on the inside. And now, Lord, may we know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name and everyone said amen if you if you'd
0: like to listen again or you've missed a program you'll find an archive of all previous episodes on our website findingtruthmatters.org for tonight's program select the last gospel part 15 from our online store you can also find the podcast by subscribing to finding truth matters on itunes spotify or soundcloud as we've heard tonight sometimes a person's preconceived ideas prevent them from accepting the truth The blind man believed in Jesus and believing in Jesus leads to worship of him. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lugana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to meeting with you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.